before I start, I, I got to say this. Uh, Ashton had agreed that she was going to tell the joke tonight, and I'm feeling a little bit uncomfortable because she didn't tell the joke. Instead, she introduced me. <laughs> All right. All right. I always give you something, right? All right. Uh, first, I want to say thank you to Pastor Gary and Pastor Nancy, Pastor Paul and Pastor Shirley for opening the pulpit up. Uh, I kind of felt to go in a slightly different direction because I wasn't sure on a Thursday night, should you preach, should you teach, or maybe a little bit of both. So we'll, we'll pray first because we need the Holy Spirit to reveal some truth to people. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come before you, Lord, to join our hearts together, to be in unity, Lord. We pray that your spirit would have its way in this place. Holy Spirit, we invite you to reveal to us the goodness of our God, to reveal to us truths that will touch our hearts and change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Quite dry up here tonight, eh? You don't know? Okay. Hmm. Okay, so what I want to speak to tonight, I had a different uh, title and I changed it just this morning because it, the whole story kind of changed and unfolded for me as the week progressed. <laughs> hey, Pastor Gary. But I am always ready, and I always tell you that it does not matter. In season or out of season, right? So my title for tonight is Corresponding Actions. So when I started on my little teaching, for myself even, because this, this is great for me. I, I love doing this. It gets me off into little bunny trails. I study things that maybe I wouldn't have had a chance to look at before. And then I get to invite you to look at it with me. Right? So it's about the activation of our faith. But that requires what? Corresponding action. It's one thing to say you have faith, and it's another thing to do something with it. How many here believe in God? But do you do anything with it? Because that's the real question, right? So when I started my study for this, I got into the whole thinking of belief, faith. Are they the same thing? Do they correspond? What's the relationship? And how do they respond or relate to believing? So, Pastor Gary was kind enough to send me something the other day that kind of threw me right off. And it was in the Passion Translation. And after I read it, I thought, that's really kind of neat because it has a different spin on it. But I went back to every other translation and it spoke differently. So, we'll get into that when I make it there. But I just find that the more you dig into God's Word, the more He's willing to reveal to you little nuggets of truth to confirm in your innermost being who He is, what He is, how He does what He says He's going to do, and He will never let you down. So let's establish a few fundamentals, shall we say, or as Pastor Paul would say, bedrock truths. Right? Good. What is faith or belief? Fundamentally, faith and belief are the same. So when I look up in the dictionary, fundamentally, they basically say the same thing. Which one, which one is which and what they are. They represent the same thing. Basically, the definition comes as this. Complete or confidence in someone or something. 
The second one that I got was a strong trust in God or the doctrines of religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. I thought that was an interesting one because they decided to shove the proof in there. Anyway, proof and truth are two different things, right? All right. I don't want to race too quickly through this because there's a lot of information here. The Latin word for faith and or belief is fides, which represents faith, trust, belief, confidence, loyalty, and reliance. Where's your faith? Do you have trust, belief, confidence, loyalty in God? In who he is to you and what he is to you? There's a second terminology that they have in the Latin, and it's called confidentia, which I thought was interesting because that's where our word confidential comes from. It means assurance, confidence in, firm belief. The Greek word for faith is pistis, meaning to be persuaded by or come to trust. Now, is this a lot? Because it was a lot for me when I was doing it. It was. I kept reading and I was thinking, man, this gets complicated. But Strong's concordance suggests that faith as pistis, which is code 4102, says faith is always a gift from God and can never be produced. I never thought about that before. Think about that. Faith is a gift from God. It's something you cannot produce. You can build your faith but you don't produce it. Where does it come from? Grace? That's the truth. But here's what the studies told me. In short, the believer gets what we call God's divine persuasion. The only way you know God exists is through his persuasion. He shows you his goodness. He shows you his his omniscient power. He shows you how great he is. He shows me, and I'm going to say it again, the sunrise every morning. And I challenge anybody to find a more spectacular one than he shows me. Because he loves me. It's a challenge. I dare you. Get up early enough to ask God to show you the sunrise. It, oh, it's getting, yeah, actually, last week it just got harder again, just to FYI, right? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so, he continually births faith to a yielded believer. He continually births faith to a yielded believer. So, as we yield ourselves to God, he allows faith to build in us by showing us the truth of his word, the truth of who he is, and what he is in our lives. That is to build our faith so we become stronger in it. The reason you can become unshakable in your faith and that someone can't take it away from you is because you've become knowledgeable in it and it's part of you, right? It's not, it's not second guessing. Second guessing, that is always leads you to that wavering thing where you, you might be wrong in what you're thinking and so you don't open your mouth about it. So faith is an indicator or belief is an indicator of a couple things. One, one's confidence. 
in, in who or what they're confident in. Second thing, and I thought this was interesting, trust. It's an indicator of your trust. If you don't have faith enough in your God, you don't trust him enough. There's a reason why the word of God tells us to try me. He wants to prove himself to you. So you become more confident in who he is. So, again, through my studies, it brings me into something else. I was talking to a minister, a Baptist minister earlier today, and we got into this conversation because it was something I never heard of before. So, and Pastor Gary, you might know about it. So that makes what we call faith a fiducial model. And I didn't know that. I didn't even know it existed. I didn't know what it meant before. So as a model of faith, as trust is understood, not simply as an effective state or an effective state of confidence, but as an action. So there's two parts to faith. The fiducial model, two parts to it. Ha, the corresponding action. Remember where we started. So believing is to accept as true and feel sure of the faith of something. And the Latin word is credence, meaning committing, consigning, and trusting. You're totally engulfed by something. That is the true meaning of belief, that you something couldn't shake you from it. Using the fiducial model, there's an action part to our faith. Everything we do, if we say we believe in God then our words, our steps, should support that. Do you get it? Our words and our steps should support that. There is an action. To trust in God, what's the action? Actively trust. To confide in, you have to actively confide in. So if we look at faith and belief and believing in their true form, we'll see that faith represents our true confidence in our God. Unwavering. Well, believing represents the corresponding action of the other. Am I confusing you yet? <laughs> that was actually one of the terminologies that I was reading about. Somebody said, I look at it as like a railroad track. They each have their part. And they work simultaneously together. That's right. So in order to step out, in order to, sorry, see God the way he wants us to see him, and to put our faith into action, we need to step out of where we're comfortable to allow the trust to build with him, right? Wonder <laughs> Yeah. So, in order to do that, how do we do it? How do we step out of where we are to get into something that we're not familiar with, but to grow by the word? Right? By the word. It's actually fairly easy. According to the word of God, we're required to know the word. Right? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. 
So I wrote down a couple thoughts about that. The substance of things hoped for is whatever you have need of. So that's what faith is. That you, you know that God has everything under control that you have need of. So when he formed the earth and the planets, he put everything in place that we needed to survive. Why can't we understand he can do that again? He does it today for us. It doesn't matter what's right with you or wrong with you. He has the solution. Like for everything that's going on in our lives, from our health to our finance to our relationships, everything. I've been doing some studying and apparently I read more than I think, but uh, one, my son is involved in medical and my stepson's involved now in farming and you get all this information coming from different places and it's forced me to start looking at some things, you know, and you start realizing that uh, like farming's not what it was a hundred years ago, not what it was 50 years ago. And man has done a great job of depleting the soil of everything it needs um, without understanding or realizing why God suggested that there would be a seventh year of rest for the land. Um, man has done a great job of, of destroying all the nutrients that would be in it for the health of our foods. Long story short, um, when I'm talking about God has everything in control that we possibly have need of, it forces me to go look at, okay, so what is it that we're missing? So when you start looking at our foods today, and I'm kind of off on a little bunny trail here, but I thought when we start looking at our foods, what we eat, what we drink, what we do, you'll find that very few of it, or very little of it, sorry, is or has the proper nutrients that it had once. Because at some point in time, the food that it was, it was based on to grow was depleted, and now man sprays it with the same thing he does with his chickens to make them grow, to make them big fast, so he can sell them and make a living off of somebody that thinks that they're eating right. Meanwhile, we're missing it. So, you know, I was, again, a medical journal was reading about some information with respect to our aging population and the fact that, you know, how many people they expect to have Alzheimer's by a certain time and date and all this. And it's very interesting because all of that comes back to not eating properly and meanwhile waiting on our farmer care solutions to give us a pill for something to go home with. Right? It's not about living healthy anymore. It's about give me an injection or a pill, something I can go home, then I'll be better, and I don't have to do any work for it. Well, that's not the way God designed it. He's actually put things in place for everything that's wrong with us. Like if you have a physical ailment, there's a cure somewhere. You might just have to find it. Right? So, for example, and this, man, this is a bunny trail. For example, and this has got to do with. Uh, people that are that are maybe dealing with eyesight um, from what they're saying now is that people that are younger because we're watching, you know, blue screens, LCDs, LEDs, you know, computers, tablets, you name it. It's our the eyesight is de- is uh, deteriorating at a younger age than ever. The the speed of recovery from light to darkness is, has been depleted at a early age compared to what it used to. Meanwhile. When you study it and you realize, well, what the real problem is, it, it's not the LED light. It's the fact that we've been without Luton and we've been without 
there's a nutrient in marigolds, believe it or not, for flowers uh, that that would that would help repair the eye. Uh, there's another flower; it's called the eye brightener or eye brighter or something along. That. But but it's amazing that these things all carry these nutrients that are really good for us. So what I'm getting to is that God had all this in play before. You know, we have glands or whatnot that may get out of whack. We have people that have that are on thyroid medication that probably don't need to be if they were eating or had the nutrients probably that they needed to have. Uh, and I'm not just saying this stuff. This is real. So what I'm trying to tell you is that have trust in your God. Don't just take everything for face value. Dig in. Find out who you are and what he's got for you. All right, that was that. <laughs> sideline, there you go, a little sideline. So faith is always a gift from God. Not something we can produce on our own. Without him, we, get, we don't have it. If he doesn't allow us to see it, we don't get to see it. In short, the believer is God's divine persuasion. Did you hear me? The believer is God's divine persuasion. He continually births faith into the yielded believer's heart. The yielded believer. Okay. There is, I did put a precursor there, the, the yielded. The person that surrenders their life. The person that seeks for God's kingdom in their life. <clears throat> so, I just skipped right over a verse there. Sorry, it'll be good. How do we get faith? Right, we already discovered that, right? If by hearing the word of God, it means that there's two things, right? There's two places that we can get it. One by reading the word and one by reading about Jesus' life, right? Why? Because Jesus was God, right? Was the word made flesh who dwelt among us. It was to teach us how to live. It's not just a thought. It was to teach us how to live. He had faith in his father that he could do anything. He didn't have to think about it. He didn't have to ask questions for people. John 1.14 says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us and beheld the glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and of truth. Now, amazing. He came to show himself real to man that we could have faith in him, that he could then build faith in us. Do you see how the word of God really works? It just continually feeds. The same way he's really designed our earth, right? The same way he's designed us as beings, that we repair ourselves internally, right? You can cut yourself. We don't have to go somewhere to get that fixed. It will, it will heal on its own. might take longer if you don't get a stitch, but it will heal, Right? That's the way we're designed. It's God's way. Now, if we go to Hebrews 11.6, I already read 11.1 there. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So see, faith in God followed by believing, which is what? Putting in action your faith, right? It's the action behind your faith. He rewards you when you diligently seek him. It doesn't say when you go out and spend your money frivolously. It says 
when you diligently seek him. So don't get confused about what you put your efforts into. It's when, when you're after his will and purpose for your life, he will show himself real to you. Romans 10, 9, to 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. See, the faith allows us to get saved, right? It allows us to the righteousness. But with our mouth, which is the confession, it's our corresponding action that we have to activate our faith. So it's one thing to believe, it's another thing to actually partake. Does everybody here partake on a regular basis? Because if you don't, you should. It's good. James 1, verses 2 to 8, uh, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, I know people don't like that, right? It just sounds wrong. But you got to understand, life isn't always perfect from our perspective. (laughs) Hang on, I'm going to say it again. Life isn't always perfect from our perspective. The big picture says... It's all well. The big picture says, it's well with my soul, right? The big picture says, don't be concerned with what you see, right? That is the trial of your faith. Oh, hang on. So our faith gets tried. Why does it get tried? We already established it so he can develop it. So would you sooner you stay as a one-year-old or a two-year-old? We had no problem growing up and eating more food. We had no problem learning how to talk and walk. So why is it we don't like to be challenged in our faith? Why is it we don't like to have trials that develop who we are? And trust me, I've had my share of development. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor Nancy, I I had a revelation not that long ago. And we, we have a tendency of seeing ourselves however we want to see ourselves. And we were at a men's ministry on a Saturday morning, and we were talking. And, and God, he spoke to me, and I felt him say, what, you have, what we have to understand as people is that he sees us perfect uh, as he created us. So in our weaknesses, he can show forth his strength. So it's not on our own, because if we were perfect, would we not gloat about it? Oh, I did this and I did that. I know I've done it before. <laughs> and I can tell you what it gets you. Kick in the can. <laughs> that might have been wrong. Anyway, it's not good for you, right? Walk humbly before your God. Remember that. Walk humbly. Verse 3. I only made it through the one verse. Hmm. Knowing that it's the testing of your faith that produces patience. Who needs patience? I don't, I got to be honest, I don't need it in every area of my life. Not in every area, but there are many that I do, and I will be honest. The truth of the matter is, without the testing, without the trial, 
I can't come through it. I can't work on it. Because I'll see myself as, oh, perfect, right? When I'm not. I'm not. He's the potter, I'm the clay. He built me the way he built me. That's why he sees me as marvelous in his sight. It doesn't matter about imperfection. He doesn't see imperfection. He sees perfection because it's what he made. Has anybody ever made a puzzle, a model, maybe carved something, maybe a sew, maybe whatever? When you're done, do you not look at your, your craft and say, that's awesome? Take a picture. Yeah, put it on the internet. Show somebody how good I did. Don't you think that that's the same way God feels about us? Actually, I bet you it's way better than that. Look what I made. That's how he sees us. Not the flaw. He, we don't have flaws to him. Hmm. Okay, let's get on with this. <laughs> Verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, okay, so maybe if you're lacking in any of these other departments, maybe the wisdom might help. Uh, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach. It will be given to him. So probably... It's a good thing to pray about, isn't it? Hmm. But let him ask in faith, without doubting. Oh, there's a corresponding action, right? Can ask in faith, but you're not allowed to doubt. That's you can if you want, but you won't get it. So the corresponding action is don't doubt, right? For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea tossed by the wind. For let not the man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Wow. So not only by doting do you cut off the wisdom that we were just talking about, but you may not get anything. You ever wonder why something's not happening in your life? And I'm not picking on anybody here. I'm just asking. I'm just saying. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Hard to deal with somebody that's unstable, right? Doctors just want to medicate, right? Just saying. We're to be patient, stable-minded, that our faith becomes developed into something that's strong, unmovable, unshakable. Paul said it best. I'm fully persuaded, right? You couldn't shake the man he knew. Throw him in a prison. I don't care. This is the trial of my faith. You're not going to cause me to fall over that. What odds? Matter of fact, he probably felt better about being in a prison cell than getting beat up outside. <laughs> I'm just saying. We are to be all these things to be developed by our, in our faith. Remember, Strong's Concordance referred to it as faith is a divine persuasion. We only have faith if God allowed us to. I only get to see the sunrise when God allows me to. For me, it's every day. I don't know about you. And I only say that because it's very dare and personal to me. If you've ever gotten up and caught a two-second glimpse of something and it disappears before your eyes, you realize how spectacular that is. 
when it happens repeatedly for you. When you hear a whistle blow and you go to a window to see it, there you go. I'm just saying, ask and you'll see. So I wrote down some thoughts and I did a little bit of studying and reading with respect to the divine persuasion to understand a little better. So I, I wrote this down. So when the world didn't give you the things that you thought that you deserved, when the person didn't give you the affirmation that you really needed, remember that Jesus stood by you. That's divine persuasion. I've come to a point in my life where I'm starting to understand how much Jesus specifically loves me in every area and every season of my life. I'm learning that while being persuaded, um, I'm not being persuaded by something new. I'm being persuaded by the God that I serve in my thought process, allowing him to show himself to me that my thoughts aren't my thoughts anymore, but I start to think the way he thinks. I don't see people through these eyes the way these eyes used to see people. I pray that I see people the way God sees people, because I see them through eyes that have judgment. God sees them as perfect. My eyes want to critique, because my eyes want to measure them to me, his eyes, he knows who he is. And when you're confident in who you are, you don't have to be challenged by anybody else. He's the potter. We are the clay. Like it or lump it. It doesn't matter. It is what it is, right? So the reality is he's making you the potter and the clay wasn't just when you were in your mother's womb, just so you know. You're clay on the potter's wheel every day of your life. Allow him to shape you today. If, if, we, if we put up that block, do we not just put off the inevitable? Be horrible to get to the end and find out you missed it because you were being stubborn. What? I missed my promised land. That's not fair. <clears throat> the clothes that you wear, someone might have persuaded you to buy it. Pastor Paul, you were definitely persuaded by someone to rock those shoes. I'm just kidding. I'm just, it was a joke. Sorry. <laughs> the thing that you're doing... <laughs> Everything that we do in our lives, we're persuaded by someone or something in some way. It might be by your spouse. It might be by your best friend. It might be by a person you work with. Or it could be by God himself. I wonder when Jesus' love alone will be enough to ultimately inspire us. Think about that. That we'll be motivated with selfless compulsion for others. In everything we do, not just some things, but that our life will exude who Jesus really was. 
he went about doing good and healing all. Okay, add that to your resume. <laughs> Say you're in, right? <clears throat> Can anybody really perceive or understand the love that I'm talking about? The depth of it? Maybe you can think about a a traumatic moment that happened in your life in the past and, you know, people that have come and gone through those moments in time. But you maybe didn't take the time to understand that, that God was right there with you through the whole time. I've had that wonderful experience of understanding that. I hope you do too. Because you really have to understand that he doesn't leave you. In good and bad and fun and ugly, mountains, valley, he's always with you. He stood by you through the thick, through the thin, through the short, through the tall. We'll leave it there. When family left, when friends left, when mentors left, when pastors left, when preachers left, he was still there. When you felt like your dreams had been destroyed, He still loved you in every season of your life. It didn't matter. How unmeasurable is that love for us? And then he's taken the time to give us his faith. Jesus gave us his faith. He understood who his father was. He's the one that persuades us now. I'm a salesman. I can be a salesman. I've been a salesman. I could be the one trying to sell you the book of goods. But that's not what I'm doing tonight. Anything you get out of this tonight is from him. It's only through him. So when you leave and you get it, you were listening to the Holy Spirit. He is the teacher. I'm just the organ he used. <laughs> Luke 7.50 says, Then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Hmm, interesting one. Faith? What's the corresponding action? Mm-hmm. How many of us go in peace? I'll give them a piece of my mind. Wait till I get done with them. <laughs> We've all been there. We've all done it. You know, I, I guess my reason I mention that is because we want faith to work in our lives. We want to see the fruit of the Holy Spirit operate in our lives. But do we want to control the member that stops that? Because the member that stops that sits right between our lips. The tongue. There's a reason that it's referred to as the rudder. Because <laughs> it steers your life in directions you may or may not want to go. The corresponding action. So our corresponding action has to line up with what we're speaking of. And if it's our faith, if we're praying and believing for healing, if we're praying and believing for anything, anything, your tongue has to line up with it in all areas not just at that moment in time. 
matter of fact, it's every bit more important that it happens all the time. That when you leave that particular situation, that your words line up with your faith. Soon, when you do that, everything in your mind clicks to that. Proper attention to every situation and every conversation to mind that rudder. I was thinking about this corresponding action, how we can shape our lives, and I thought, I was thinking of, have you ever had a conversation, and I'm sure you have, with somebody, and you felt like they really weren't paying attention, and they kind of just pacified you with an answer that, eh, was kind of mediocre, but you could could just say it just to kind of make the conversation end. We've all been there, right? And how did it make you feel? Less than, maybe? Not important? (laughs) Disrespected? Hurt? There's all kinds of things. Sometimes it feels like it's a condescending thing that they couldn't give you the time to look you square in the face and have a proper conversation and a proper answer. So I got thinking about this, and I thought, I wonder how God feels when we talk the talk with him, when we say and pray what we think he wants to hear, but our corresponding action doesn't so correspond. Hmm. Remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if we're talking something other than the word of God in our lives, we may be squelching the very thing the spirit wants to do within us in building the faith. We want people to show up in our church. We might have to love some more people, huh? And why do we want people to show up in our church? Why? Do you want people to be saved? Love people. (laughs) It's not difficult. Like, it really isn't. We overthink it, probably, but... So our faith, our belief system gets inspired by the Word of God. And just so you know, you don't test what you don't know. Anybody get that? If you don't know something, do you test it? No, you take it at face value, right? Think about being a teenager in a school and a new kid comes into the schoolyard and he's around your size, but he looks like he's rough and tough. Would you go shake him down, or would you wait until you found out what he was all about? You're going to wait until you find out what he's all about, right? So that's what I mean by you don't test what you don't know. Once you know what he's about, you may feel the need to shake that down. Just saying. I wrote down here, unless you felt like they needed it. That might have been back a few years. Okay. It's not enough to say, God, I take you at your word if you don't know what his word says. That, my friends, is what I was just talking about with that conversation that you felt like someone was patronizing you. By saying we take you at your word, God, but yet we don't study his word to show ourselves approved, we're patronizing the God we serve. A lawyer doesn't become a lawyer without going to law school and finding out what the law says. Right? A Christian doesn't become Christ-like without studying the good word to find out what Christ says. 
That might have been too real. I don't know. It's not enough to say, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed, and follow that up later with a conversation with a friend or a co-worker that suggests the contrary. Which is it? Faith or not faith? Do you believe or not? And it's not that you don't believe. You're not actively pursuing your belief. Maybe that's it. I don't, and I'm not, criti- I'm not criticizing anybody when I say it. I'm, I'm just, I'm really trying to get you to think outside the box and think that God created you to give you everything good that he can give you. And by doing what I'm talking about, by activating your faith, by believing him, and allowing your tongue to work with them, not against them. We can see those results. Make sure your actions support your faith. Our corresponding actions to put with our faith sometimes are simple as closing our lips and biting our tongues. Right? As I said, the rudder of life, right? Your faith should always be complimented, complimenting, uh, or yes, your faith should always be complimented by the appropriate action or the appropriate words. Allowing your confession to speak into your situation, not against your situation. Scripture tells us clearly that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of the air, right? Everybody know that? Everybody hear that before? Okay, so that means pick your battles appropriately. Hit your knees in faith. The Lord says he'll fight your battles for you. But we're required to do something there, and that is to let him. So if you're going to believe him to fight your battle for you, stop putting up your dukes. Right? He will see you to the end. He has no problem with that. But when we get involved in our own flesh, want to have our own way, we stop it. That's not the way he works. He wants you to give it up to him. Trust him. Try him. So faith says, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than I can ask, think, or as Marion said on Sunday, imagine. Believing responds by saying, There's no room for doubt. I'm going to stand firm, pray for others, and my needs will get met. See what I said now? Pray for others, and my needs will get met. I'm not praying for my needs. God knows your needs. Stop whining, whining, whining. Right? Like, we need to get over ourselves. It's not about us. Again, it's big picture, the bigger picture. Right? 1 Timothy 6, 11 and 12 says, but you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold of it on eternal life, to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Can you tell me why it's called the good fight? Well, that was number two. Anybody with number one? Come on, somebody. Close, we're close. No, Because, believe it or not, the fight is for our benefit. Yeah. 
Remember that? We were talking about the trial of your faith. It's for our benefit. I know it doesn't seem like it is, but it is. If you're going to polish the pearl until it's shiny and of worth great price, the only way it gets there is through the polishing. It's for your benefit. It's for your growth. It's for your development. Allow it. Stop fighting it. Work with it. It works better that way. It allows us to lay hold on eternal life, right? We need to chase after it, confess with our words, and watch our words. Luke 8.50 says, But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. Don't be afraid. You don't have to be afraid of anything in your life if you truly believe God. If you believe God's in control, if you believe Romans 8.28, all things work together for your good to those who are called by God. Do you really believe that to be true in your life? What do you have to be afraid of? I know you believe it, James. That's awesome. I, do, I know it. And, it's glad, and I'm impressed that I know that, I, that you know that. Because not everybody that I know knows that and understands it. The fact that you understand it is incredible. If everybody could understand it, how much God loves each one, because that's what it's about. Do we question his love for us? Do you think he loves the sparrow more than he does you? But yet he cares what each one of them looks like. They're all beautiful flower, uh, feathers on them. and The flowers that are out in the yard, they're beautiful. How does he see you? The same. Or better. First Peter 1, 8 and 9. I didn't write the whole Bible in here, just so you know, Pastor Paul. Or Pastor Gary. <laughs> Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We are to have an action to our faith, rejoicing with joy. We're to be excited about what we have. We have life, life eternal. And what, to what end? What's the end? Salvation of your soul. In the message translation, it says this. I've only got a couple verses from the message. Normally I do all kinds of them, but you never saw him, yet you love him. You still don't see him, yet you trust him with laughter and singing. Because you kept on believing, you'll get what you're looking forward to. Total salvation. Hmm. That brings it kind of right down, doesn't it? Rejoice with him. He's created you. He's developing the faith in you to see it to the end. To create in you the clean heart. To make you into his precious being that he wants you to be. For everybody you come in contact with. Everybody excited? I can tell. Why? Mm, Where's Ashton? No, I'm just kidding. So, Second Peter 1, 5, and verse, verse 5 to 7. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. 
in the message translation. So don't lose a minute in building on what you've been given, complementing your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent wonder, warm friendliness, and generous love, each dimension fitting into and developing the others. Hmm. Isn't that good? To complement our basic faith. So those are action plans to put with our faith. Alert discipline. Who's got alert discipline? Anybody? Anybody? Going once, going twice. Good girl. You're a good girl. You got it. Romans 8, 19 to 22. For the earnest... I like this, because this is really about the, the basis of why we're here, right? For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly, eagerly awaits the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. All of creation is waiting for us to do our part. So the question came up in a men's Saturday morning meeting. What happens if men don't do their part? It'll just go to the next generation. That's what's happened. Why everyone's wondering why it's taken so long. Everybody just keeps waiting for someone else to do it. Does that sound familiar? Maybe somebody else can do the work. Hey, Pastor Paul. Hey, 10% of the people doing 90% of the work. Okay. Sounds familiar. What it all comes down to is God wants to work on us to make us into who he wants us to be. And he wants our faith to be responded to by corresponding actions that support it. And that means watching our tongues, doing what he wants us to do, loving people ahead of ourselves, being selfless in your approach to life. You know, I don't mean that you just have to give everything to everybody. I just mean that your approach needs to be selfless. Just what's wrong with being kind to people? What's wrong with being nice? What's wrong with pouring love on a situation? It's a lot better than fire. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.